it is a special day today. Today we set apart John Keller, Cole Powers for ordination as deacons, and J.J. Gillette as uh, ordination as a minister of the gospel. So this is, this is how it's going to work. Uh, we're going to ask uh, John to go first. This is alphabetical, John. I'm not picking on you. Uh, John, five minutes. Cole, five minutes. J.J. Gillette, three minutes. <laughs> We've been negotiating ever since we started talking about this. Uh, but we'd like to hear your testimony and, uh, and, and any words of encouragement that you might have for the believers. And then after that... Uh, Ken, Kangas, and I, and then Rob uh, will issue challenges to you, and then we'll have a time of prayer. So, Brother John, if you would come forward. So let me just start out by saying J.J. Uh, and J.O. for John is not alphabetical. J.J. <laughs> Gillette and John Keller is also not alphabetical. <laughs> so, but love you, brother. Don't know why you picked me to go first, but I will go first. Uh, well, so uh, I, will, I will be brief and yield my time to JJ, who I'm sure will need it. Uh, so faith-wise, uh, I came to follow Christ in, as a junior in high school, not because anybody evangelized me, not at all. It was actually a conversation that happened when I was sitting in the library with some other friends and I happened to be at a Christian school because my mother didn't want me in the public schools because of serious danger. And they were talking about stuff that made no sense to me whatsoever. And it kind of was like, that's ludicrous. What are you talking about? So that was, that was the beginning of my path. So I just want to say if, if you have conversations outside of this church, those are good. Because people hear you talking about Christ, they may have that same experience. And that's not somebody you've got to go and say, well, hey, I'm going to win you to Christ or, or do anything specific. That's just you having a conversation and people hearing it. So just a thought there. Um, shortly after that, uh, went into a discipleship program for a very short time with one guy who really spoke in my life, gave me the opportunity to understand things from a biblical perspective for a short while. And... Uh, I think that set me up for a lot of the valleys and trials that I went through for the remainder of my life. Definitely I'm not the same person once claiming and, you know, knowing that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Jenny's a better person to talk to about that, <laughs> about what, I'm, what I was. Hmm. Weston, Weston, where are you? <laughs> This is not normal. This is not normal. It's got to stop. All right. So, but, but I mean, I think the key thing is another point that I would say to come out of my experience is 
you may be just a little bit ahead of somebody else, but you can speak into their life and you can speak Christ into their life as a baby Christian and help them set their life for the future and their walk. So that's, that's where I am. I, I don't have much more. Hopefully that wasn't too long. I'll give you plenty back. But uh, with that, I, do you want me to hand it off to Cole? Cole, where are you, sir? It's all you. Oh, no, you're coming up with scripture? You're no, me. I just, it's, it's mine. <laughs> I, too, said that I would struggle filling up five minutes because I got saved when I was five. So, I mean, it was pretty quick. Um, in 2020, or I guess it was 19, it was when Rodney said that he was going to come out of the deacon role for a minute, and that's when we had the next election, and that's when I was voted in, was in 2020, and what I think Rodney would do every time he gets the microphone is say something funny. Rodney's always so funny. Um, so what made me think of that was I, I, I looked up a deacon joke. I told Danielle that I did not, but I did. Um, and it goes something like this. We'll see if you get it. <clears throat> a priest, a rabbit, and a deacon walked to a blood bank. And the rabbit said, I think I'm type O. Get it? Typo? Rabbit? Not rabbi? Come on. I'll look harder next time. Do you approve? Do you approve? Okay. But like I said, I grew up uh, in a, a home that had generations of family members that grew up in uh, Christian homes. So as far back as I'm aware of, uh, we had family in, in the church. Um, so obviously I grew up in the church and at five years old is what I remember, um, asking Jesus to come in my heart, getting baptized soon after. But it wasn't until 2014 when myself and Danielle moved to Alabama for flight school with the Army and found a great, very small church, um, smaller than Blackman, but had a phenomenal teacher and pastor there that did not know our past, didn't know how we grew up and everything else, and just asked questions, why do you believe these things? And uh, I don't think we had a lot of those answers. So it was a, around that time when we really started um, diving in and figuring it out kind of on our own between us and, and scripture. So, which I think is the right way to do it. Not just how your, you know, your parents bring you up in, in church and what the people up here say all the time and all that kind of stuff. So the next month after we moved there, Amelia was born and that's when we kind of turned it into high gear, um, moved back. And it was pretty soon after we started searching for a church, uh, in a community, with our age group, I was about to deploy. So, you know, finding somewhere that um, we knew she would be cared for very well. And Blackman was that answer um, and still is. So, you know, think I appreciate so many families here. Um, then I guess we were here four or five years. Like I said, 2020 uh, was honored to be considered um, to fill the role as a deacon. Um, was voted in while I was at another school in Arizona and then the pandemic happened, so uh, it took us two years to plan to get our dates to align for today. So, um, but I do want to leave with one verse, my life verse that I cling to now, and I think is um, is something that everybody should have in the back of their mind consistently, and that's in First Corinthians ten, 
and the last half of verse 31, and it goes, uh, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And I think that just sums pretty much all of it up. So there we were. Now it's JJ's turn. <laughs> so I'm going to be good so I can show you what it means to, you know, um, respect leadership and the decisions that they make. So I am, uh, I'm going to keep it as short as I can. So, <laughs> so, uh, ish, that's right. So, um, I'm going to do everything I can to get through this without having, we're going to call it John Keller moments now, Weston, just, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of start out with, um, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian family, very, um, very blessed, um, my mom and dad. Uh, both did not grow up in church, um, but I was part of a, a bus ministry, actually, as a young kid, um, getting put on the bus and heading there. There's some fun stories from that that I'd love to tell you later, but I don't have five minutes to tell you that. So, um, But um, it was just a blessing to be a part of uh, the guidance of my mom and dad through um, just what the Lord kind of had his hand on me. Um, I, I would say that you know, I've always said I didn't veer too far to the left or too far from the right, never really made. I mean, I don't have these crazy stories where I made these crazy, you know, bad choices unless you talk to my parents and they've got a lot of those stories. But for the most part, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in the church and I was very blessed to go to a Christian school um, as a 10th grader and met the love of my life there. So, um going to take me longer if this stuff starts happening. So, um, but uh, she was actually the chaplain of our school, so um, she was steering me right even back then. So, um, but I was very fortunate also to have three men that spoke into my life at that small Christian school, and they basically empowered me from a position of who I am in Christ. And um, it was they're examples that literally put me in a position where I realized I, I wanted to live my life that way. And, um, and I, because I loved Laura, her family came with that. And I was very blessed with my father-in-law and mother-in-law who um, also, <laughs> also um, did a lot to guide me um, in my walk. Um, I'd love to say whenever I got married at 21... Yeah, 21. Um, I'd love to say that I was a great husband. I was a great dad. I made all the right decisions. I led my family in a spiritual way, and but I didn't. Um, my wife did. And she made the decisions that as we began to be blessed with children, a lot of them, um, the Lord was using her to guide them. Um, it doesn't mean I wasn't there. It doesn't mean I wasn't part of it. But at the age of 30... Um, I actually listened to God to tell me it's time to get in the Awana ministry. Um, and if you know anything about Awana, it's a children's and youth ministry with the ability to, um, to present the gospel anywhere and everywhere we have the opportunity to, um, knowing that it is the most important thing that people need to know. Um, we can talk about stories in the Bible, but they mean nothing 
if we aren't talking about the gospel and understanding of how we become a believer in Jesus Christ and change our lives. And um, so um, at that time, um, actually, it was, I guess, about six years later, I was led to Blackman Baptist. Our family came here. Um, There's a whole fun story with that that I'm not going to tell you here either, but the Lord led us here. Um, It was amazing to be a part of what we walked into. Um, I gave the example that our first uh, time uh, coming to Blackman was at the um, Concord, and they had a baptism, a baby dedication, new member signing. I mean, it was like, it was like awesome. So it was like, I was like, do people preach here? So um, I didn't know what what was happening, but we were super excited um, to just see what was happening. We decided to visit a couple weeks later because I was filling pulpits that summer. Um, and we came back, and actually they were on the property, and we met in the fellowship hall and with 50-some people and then um, realized that wasn't going to work. So then we ended up here the next week. So this was a really cool church to be a part of because every week you came, you were somewhere different. So that's when... <laughs> We realized incredible things were happening. We wanted to be a part of God moving, and we saw it in the direction of Blackman Baptist Church. And um, we have tried in every way to plug in and be a part of, um, besides the fact that we feel it's our responsibility and what God has given us the ability to do in serving. um, We also love people. We love you all. We love whoever walks through these doors and um, even outside these doors. Um, God has given us the ability to serve them and love them. And that is my ultimate testimony is to make sure that whatever he's called me to do, whether it's in a secular position, whether it's in a pastoral position, whether it's being a deacon or you take all those titles away from me, it doesn't change what I'm called to do. And that is to serve and to love. And so with that... Um, I think my five minutes was up, so, um, but, so I'm going to leave it at that, but if you have any, I have really good stories, um, so <laughs> I can make everything I just said sound so much more fun, um, but, uh, but I will yield the mic in respect to my elder, <laughs> and it was cool to be called young man again, so. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I was speculating in my mind exactly how young he was. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, brothers, for sharing those testimonies. It, it, uh, it feels lighthearted, and, and it's because uh, we're comfortable with each other, and it's good. Uh, it's, a, it's a sweet morning to, you know, to come and ask you guys to come and serve because the body has acknowledged your, your, your role of already serving. Um, and so we're really kind of formalizing that. Um, we don't have super clear instructions of how an ordination looks in scripture. We have the example of the calling of the deacons in Acts, and then we have some instructions about qualifications from Paul's letters, but um, beyond that, there's a lot of flexibility. So this is how we do it. (laughs) Um, um, I'll I'll keep it brief too, because I'm not the last one. In the 20th chapter of Acts, Luke reports Paul's final trip back to Jerusalem. And he makes a stop, Paul does, to visit 
visit the people from the church in Ephesus. He had spent a lot of time with them. And Luke records this moving scene of reunion and goodbyes. He tells them that the Spirit has told him imprisonment and affliction await him when he goes back to Jerusalem. And he gives a brief message and he reminds them about different things that happened while he was with them. And he exhorts them to remain faithful and watchful. And this may be my favorite scene from the life of Paul. I'm not sure. It's hard to say, but I love this one. Uh, starting at verse six of chapter 20, verse 36 of chapter 20, it says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, prayed with them all. And there was such, there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful. Most of all, because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And that, that feels kind of heavy, but it's so sweet because what you can see is the love that the church of Ephesus had for Paul. And, and, and I just love this contrast because often when we think of Paul, we think of this hot waters of Romans. And what did he inspire from this church? Love, affection, hugs, kisses, literally in the passage and sorrow from the Ephesians because they didn't think they were ever going to see him again. And they were right. So what I, what I find interesting about this, I think there's a truth that we can see in many areas of life. Sometimes we can't take direct aim at a thing to get it, but when we focus elsewhere, it comes along. Paul's focus in Ephesians, in Ephesus, when he was there, was not to make friends, but to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus, to bring the good news of salvation. That was his purpose. His primary goal was fulfilled in that, that a church was born there and many came to salvation. Goal accomplished, check mark. But the secondary result was the love of the people that came along with this hard service. That's, that's the moving thing that we see at the end of, of chapter 20. Paul teaches us in, in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We're going to reap bad things. But Paul didn't mean it strictly as a warning. He really meant it both ways. What we sow, we will reap. Paul sowed truth in teaching, and he reaped the faith of the Ephesians. Paul sowed hard work to support himself in Ephesus, and he reaped their respect and gratitude for doing it. Paul sowed time and patience and care, and he reaped the deep love of the church there. So, JJ, Cole, and John, I exhort you, sow humble service. Sow biblical truth in the body when you share and teach, because you will. Sow gentleness and patience with people who are sometimes slow, stubborn, or ungrateful, because we, we are sometimes. Sow selflessness in your leadership, for in the kingdom of Jesus, those who would lead must be servants. Sow faithfulness, even when you don't see immediate fruit. Sometimes it takes time to produce. And then reap. Reap the satisfaction of serving your Savior by serving his flock. Reap the joy of sharing the grace and mercy that you've been given and reap the love and respect of your brothers and sisters. I say these things to remind you of what you already know and what you've already demonstrated in our body to encourage you to keep on. May the Father fill and surround you with his spirit. By his power, may you love these brothers and sisters when they deserve it and when they don't. May you enjoy the blessing of seeing the fruit of your service. Amen. One quick, one quick thing I want to say as I, as I step down, uh, there's, there's parents here. To the parents here, uh, I want to share this verse. I believe Rodney posted it on Facebook this week. There's some good things on Facebook.
Um, the father of the righteous, from Proverbs 23, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Amen. Amen. We'll do something with it. Thank you. It is a sweet day, and I want to thank uh, all family members who are here uh, who have uh, made the decision to uh, honor your family members by being here. Uh, it is such a sweet day, and I agree with everything my brothers have said especially that part, Ken, about a confirmation of what the Lord is already doing and that we're just recognizing what the Lord has already done and continues to do, and it's a sweet day, special day. And very quickly, I have uh, one word for each of you, my brothers. Um, before I give you the word, I want to say this. I'm not giving you this word because... Uh, you're lacking in this area. Uh, I'm giving you this word because I, I asked the Lord, what should I say to these brothers? And I believe that this is what he, what he gave me. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. That's not it. Cole, I don't know why the Lord gave me this word patience, um, but because I, I believe you truly exemplify patience but my brother counted all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and testings knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing so I say that to you my brother I love you I'm so glad I get to serve with you John would it be tears or hugs uh, <laughs> it's all about holding us accountable and, and uh, John I don't really actually have a word for you um, but I have a name uh, Isaac and it very well could have been Elisha uh, on the basis of the Sunday school lesson today we talked about transition, we talked about succession, we talked about one generation handing the baton of faith off to the next generation, and Isaac is a great example of that, because Isaac, obviously, his father was Abraham, father of the faithful, father of the multitudes, father of the nations, what a man, and, uh, and Isaac was father to Jacob, um, but I say Isaac to you because we are in we are always in transition we are always concerned about the next generation and uh, God has called you here I'm so glad that I get to serve with you you're a blessing and uh, you and Jenny have been such a blessing to this congregation so I say Isaac to you whose name means laughter which uh, I, I wonder if you had a good sense of humor I don't know I don't know, but I know J.J. does, so, uh, and J.J., uh, my word for you today is clean shaven. Uh, uh, I, I didn't even recognize him this morning. He's walking down to the 
welcome home, and uh, who is that guy? But uh, JJ, it's uh, um, I think back about how the Lord has been so good to let us work together, our families work together, and um, I believe that the word that the Lord gave me for you is word. I believe he gave me, uh, I know you are a man of the word, I know you love the scriptures, but I want you to be like the psalmist says in Psalm 1, I want you to delight your heart in the law of the Lord and meditate in his instruction day and night. You know, I already see you're a tree, and I already see that you're a tree planted by the waters, and I already see the fruit that the Lord is bringing forth, and your life is not chaff, your life is bearing fruit, and I see all that. Let me just encourage you to keep digging in. Go deep. Root in the word. And delight in the law of the Lord. Let that be your meditation day and night. Love you, brother. Somewhere in this room, there is a, is that like a special little recording pin? Like has a microphone on it? Okay. Just make sure. Thanks, thanks for doing that because I needed a little joke. Um, there is a blue leather Bible with two pieces of paper in it. And that's my Bible and my sermon. And I don't know where it is. I had it in Sunday school. It's somewhere. I don't know. But I have my phone and I've got Luke's Bible. It's all... I have no idea. Oh, well. I, you know what? I work at Lifeway. I'll find it. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up another one. Oh, wait. The stores are closed. Okay. All right. Thank you, Amazon. All right. So um, several years ago, I was in a season of transition. I'm going to say it was 15 years ago, which is about right. And I was in a student ministry in the Nashville area, and I needed... I was tired and really tired of student ministry. God bless you, JJ. And I was just, we were, and I, and I was ready to transition into what I thought would be a, a senior ministry position. The challenge was, is that I had no idea how to do that. And I, and I had a, and I was, because I wasn't going to be able to do that in this community uh, at the time, I needed a way to, f to figure out, like, how do you know that you're supposed to be doing going to that ministry so if you're so for JJ it's like how do I know that this is what I'm John how do I know that I'm supposed to be doing that like I needed a I needed a way of processing and filtering what that would look like and so when I don't know what you do when you don't know what to do I I just start thinking of people who always seem to know exactly what to do like who just like they're super confident and and, and solid and respectful and um and eventually, I got into a relationship with a senior pastor in, in Brentwood who spent the next several months walking me through what that transition would be like. And one of the things that he shared with me was he, he called them the five C's, okay, the five C's. And they effectively serve as a filter for processing, is God asking me to be a part of this or not? 
Okay, and I wanted to share those with you guys and with the congregation because um, it, it, it will help you navigate what God is doing in your, in your journey, okay? The first C is calling. Would this role, would this responsibility fall in line with the one thing I cannot imagine not doing for the glory of God and the good of the people that I live with? So is this opportunity, does it fall in line with, with that thing that I know that if I'm not doing that, I'm going to be miserable in disobedience to God because that's my calling. Now, the role is not the calling, okay? But is the role in line with your calling? It's very important to understand that distinction. So that's the first thing you want to ask yourself, calling. Does this fit with, my, with what God has called me to do and what he's called me to be? Number two, competency. I can't remember the proverb that's coming to mind, but zeal without knowledge is not good. It's the, it's the way the proverbs kind of say. When you talk about competency, you want to ask the question, do I have the God-given talents and abilities to do this well? Okay. Am I committed to developing these skills and talents so that I don't become stale in this vocation? Am I, am I willing to learn new competencies in order to become more effective in the role that I have to be? Okay, Because you can be really excited and really terrible, right? Like I love accounting. I also like QuickBooks that does it for me because I lack the competency. I think computers are amazing. I don't know anything about code. I don't have the competency, okay? So I'm not going to do it. Even if it fits with my calling, I like the competency, so I'm not going to be there. So calling and competency, calling and competency. Third is chemistry. You will never work alone. We don't work alone. Every vocation even developers who sit at their computer and tippy-tap zeros and ones all day long, okay? Even you guys require service to others and to be served by others. In fact, that's what leadership is. Leadership is influence through service. Leadership is influence through service. So you want to ask yourself, chemistry, to the best that I can tell, is it going to be more or less difficult to work really well with these people? I mean, I can't, I can't spend a year here and figure this out. I guess John and JJ and Cole, you guys have been here for three years. You got to figure this out. Like, you're making a conscious decision. I have good chemistry with them. You figured that out. But you don't always get that, that opportunity. But you do want to ask yourself, do we have synergy? Do we have enough in common about how work gets done and why work gets done so that we can click more often than not? Chemistry. Fourth is culture. I like this one because I married, not did I marry, I majored in sociology. Because a church is like a society, right? It's got norms, it's got mores, it's got values. It has convictions about what's truly important. Sometimes they know those and they put them on paper. Sometimes they don't because they're Southern and they're passive aggressive, okay? But they're there, right? 
So what you want to ask yourself is, to the best that I'm able to discern, do I fit here? Do I fit here? Are, are this organization's values stated and unstated? Are those my values? Are there, are there enough of them for us to, to connect and collaborate? Am I willing to change some of my values to embrace theirs to be a part of this organization? Scott put it this way. He's like, can you, can you love this organization and these people just as they are, not for what you think they should be? That's culture. And then lastly, character. Character. Integrity is everything. Now more than ever. Great chemistry and a high degree of competency are easily destroyed by a lack of character. If I am not in private, who I profess to be in public, then inevitably cracks and fissures will form and they will wreck your leadership and service in the church. So you need to ask yourself, do I have and am I striving for the character required in this job and in this role of service? So those are the five C's. Calling, competency, chemistry, culture, and character. Now on the whole, you will find in the Bible Passages, Old Testament and New, narratives, proverbs, wisdom, stories, etc., etc., to help you with all of those things. Okay? They're there. But by and large, the great emphasis on the Bible is on character. You want to serve, you want to lead. Let's just get to the heart. And that's your heart. The great weight of the Bible is on character. The first question that the congregation should ask or the elder team should ask is, is this person being formed by the gospel? Is it evident? Do we see it? So if you were to look, for example, in 1 Timothy 3, uh, verses 2 through 13, this is really what Paul is getting at, right? He says, I want to, the potential leader, in this case an elder, needs to be above reproach. Or if you go down to verse 8, the deacon, it needs to be, um, worthy of respect. Okay. Verse 2, he needs, an overseer needs to be above reproach. This, this Greek word literally means one who cannot be laid hold upon. Okay. Your character needs to be, as my dad used to say, greased lightning. You can't get a hold of it. There's, there's nothing in your life where somebody could say, gotcha, you're unqualified, which is terrifying. Because who can actually beat that standard? Hmm. If I knew everything about all of you that God knows about you, I would not come here <laughs> every Sunday. Okay? And if you knew everything about me that God knows about me, you wouldn't want to come here. You wouldn't give me this microphone. Right? The Internet alone is a powerful tool to figure out whether somebody has greased lightning character, okay? We're just a few phone conversations away and you all could scratch up enough dirt. We could do that to everybody. We could absolutely destroy everybody's reputation in here. We'd all be disqualified eventually. So what do we do with this verse? What do we do with this calling? What, what do we do with this, this need for excellent character and and by all, if we're just if we're just being honest, 
We're all flawed, right? So this is what we do. We strive to be above reproach. And we rest in the one who really is above reproach. Okay? So we strive in the power of the Spirit to be like Jesus. And we rest that we're not going to be, but he already was on our behalf. And we, we rest in that. Okay. And here's my final way of illustrating this. This week, um, I went to play golf. Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay. There's a little par three course by our house. And I went and hit practice balls. And I moved the ball in my stance back about two inches. And it completely transformed my very below average golf game. And I got so pumped. And so I went and I walked to that par three course and I took out my three wedges and my putter and I hit three over in nine holes. I hit eight of nine greens. I two putted almost every one of them. I was crushing it. And I texted my son in college and I said, I hit eight of nine greens. I hit three over. I've totally transformed my golf game. Game on, brother, when you get back. Okay. And I went home and told my wife, you're not going to believe how great I played in the golf, in this par three course. And I did it again and again. And then I went back the next day. All right. All right. And I thought, man, I played so good. I'm going to go back to the tips here. Instead of hitting 112, I'm going to hit 130. And I'm going to so on down the road. I'm going to go back to the very back and play this course as long as it can be. And I was 12 over instead of three. I could not putt for anything. It was terrible. You know, so here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Being a Christian is like being a golfer. It doesn't matter how much you have improved every day, and you have, because you're striving. You're striving for the character. You're striving for it. You're striving to be like Jesus. But in as much as you strive, every round you play, you're still going to make mistakes. And so at the end of the game, you just have to rest in the fact that there's a better golfer than you. And it's his life that mattered to get you right with God. So you're striving, and you're walking, and you're playing, and you're going to have good days and bad. But in the end, it's not really going to be about your character. It's going to be about Jesus's. And you're going to rest in that. So JJ, John, Cole, especially you, Cole. Just kidding. We're going to goof this up. But Jesus didn't. Strive and rest. Strive and rest. Okay.